going to finish up there in the last couple verses that we just brushed on last week. We're just going to briefly go over those quickly and then move into chapter number 9. So Revelation 8. We're now into the trumpet judgments. So just by way of giving you a, a quick overview, um, we have talked about the seven letters to the seven churches in the first three chapters, or the second and third chapters of Revelation. We uh, talked about the seven sealed <coughs> book. And then as each of the seals were opened uh, on the first six of those seals, there was uh, calamity, catastrophe, pestilence that happened to the world. Um, there was the uh, cry of the martyrs. Uh, asking the Lord how long. And uh, right before the seventh seal is opened, um, there is a pause where God uh, puts a hold on everything for a period of time. We don't know how long that period is, but it is long enough for uh, Him to put His mark, His seal, uh, in the foreheads of 144,000 Jews and also a multitude from uh, other nations in uh and uh, those that are left behind uh, that trust Christ as their Savior after the rapture and turn to Christ. Um, and then uh, the seventh seal is opened. At the beginning of uh, chapter 8, there is a space of a half an hour where silence is in heaven. Even the throne is silent. Because the things that are getting ready to come are so, uh, so difficult for us to, to comprehend because of uh, how how much of a travesty it is, how uh, devastating it is, and the judgments and the plagues that are yet to come are such that the world has never seen that kind of judgment. Um, and these are things that even sober God's heart. And I think His silence in the throne is an indication that He takes no joy in judging those that are wicked. Uh, his desire is that they would all turn to Him. But as a just God, He must judge it. He must be uh, who He is, and it must fulfill His holy character. And so uh, that brought us in the seventh seal, brought us under that seventh seal, brought us the seven trumpet judgments. They're all underneath that seventh seal, if you will. And so last week we taught on the first four. We just briefly touched on the fourth one, uh, found in verse number 12 of chapter 8. Let's take a quick look at that, and then we'll move on into chapter number 9. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the fourth angel sounded, verse 12, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. And so we talked a little bit about the fact that the days are going to be shortened by eight hours, uh, four hours of the daytime, four hours of the nighttime. And uh, so they're going to, at, from this point forward in the tribulation period, have 16-hour days. Um, because, again, a third of the day is not there and a third of the night is not there. Um, and uh, then the angel comes and uh, pronounces three woes. Uh, and we're going to see as we go through the last three uh, of the trumpet judgments 
Um, we're going to see uh, the first woe and it being completed. And then uh, that will be under the, the fifth trumpet. Then the sixth trumpet. And uh, then two chapters uh, regarding the two witnesses. Uh, and then at the end of that will be the end of the second woe. And the third woe yet to come will be the remainder of the time of the tribulation period. And so uh, we have um, uh, three woes here. And when God speaks of a woe in Scripture, um, it's, it's a strong, strong word. Uh, he talks about the fact that uh, he, he spoke of uh, Tyre and Sidon and uh, said it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon. He spoke woe to the people that he was speaking of in that and um, the fact that even though there was destruction that came on Tyre and Sidon in judgment for their sin, that, uh, that there was a woe that was even beyond that, that it, it's, it's more tolerable for his judgment on them than it will be on the folks that he pronounced a woe to. And uh, very, very important that we understand these woes are speaking of, uh, we, we think of what has already happened as being catastrophic and a terrible ordeal. But when these woes begin, they are such that they are beyond uh, what man can tolerate. We're going to see some of that. Let's look into chapter number 9 and we'll get into it uh, as we begin. The beginning of chapter number 9 is the beginning of the first woe that is spoken of by the angel here. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle on their heads, were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had, as, uh, they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. They had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots uh, of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. This fifth trumpet is the beginning of the three woes, and as such is something that begins to persecute and to torment, is the Bible word that is used here, the men upon the earth. If you'll remember back in the seven seals, the first three seals were hurting the earth and the sea, the land and the sea, and the shipping and that sort of thing. But men were not hurt in those first three. Uh, We get to this portion of of the judgments, and we find that now men are being judged. There's a star that starts off. There's a star that says, uh, come down from heaven, falling from heaven. 
unto the earth. And it says unto him, um, speaking of the star, was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, there is some speculation. I, I'm not going to split hairs on it because I don't have enough to spare, all right? Uh, there is some speculation and some pretty good reason to believe that more than likely this is Christ himself that's coming down that has the key to the bottomless pit. We have some reasons for that. Uh, hold your place here for a minute. Let's look in Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter 1. If you'll remember back to our beginning in this study, uh, the Bible says in verse number 8, Jesus is speaking to John, and he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and is to come, uh, all, uh, the, the Almighty. Um, and that's not the one I was looking for. Let's see, where am I at here? Uh, let me back up a minute. Uh, I had it written down and I wrote it down wrong. Uh, well... Okay, I'll find it here in just a minute. Bear with me. Eighteen. Is that what I'm looking for? Let me see. There we go. Yes, I'm sorry. I forgot a one in front of when I typed my notes. Typographical error. I was trying to find every combination of one and eight I could find. All right, yes, there it is. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And notice this, it says, and have the keys of hell and death. Now, you say, well, that's not technically the bottomless pit. It's the keys of hell and death. It's different words that are used here. Um, But I want us to look at a a couple of things here uh, with regards to that. Look with me, first of all, in Romans chapter number 10. And uh, this one I do have right, Lord willing. Uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse number 7. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 7. And um, the Bible says, or who shall, uh, uh, let's see here. I might have written the wrong one, typed the wrong one again here. Okay, let's back up here to verse for a minute. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith, speaking on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, uh, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. And so it refers to here as this place being the deep. Uh, again, not quite talking of a bottomless pit, but speaking of it as uh, the deep. Uh, then let's look in Luke chapter number 8. Luke chapter number 8. And uh, this reference being where the unsaved go uh, during this period of time uh, when they die. Luke chapter number 8, and let's look in verse number 31. And Jesus asking him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there, were, uh, there was there and heard many swine feeding upon the mountain. They besought him 
uh, that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. So again, we find a reference of this thing uh, of where they're from being referred to as the deep. Uh, then let's look in Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20. So again, so far just evidences perhaps pointing to, but let's take a look and see uh, what it says here in Revelation chapter 20 in verse number 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key, notice this, of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he said, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, uh, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And, that, uh, and after that, he must be loosed a little, uh, a little season. So again, uh, more than likely, the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's who it is referring to there uh, as having the keys to the bottomless pit. And then uh, Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And let's look in verse number 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. So again, uh, probably a reference to the place, and it seems to be a reference to the place where the unsaved go, this, this place that the devil's referred to in Luke as the deep, that Paul in Romans <coughs> spoke of as those that go to the deep, uh, more than likely referring to the fact that this bottomless pit is one and the same with what it is uh, today. Let's look also in Revelation chapter 17. I'll show you one last verse uh, to help with this, and then we'll move on. Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 8. For the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition, that they dwell on the, that they dwell on the earth, shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. And uh, so again, we find a reference to the bottomless pit and those whose names were not written in the book of life. And so, uh, probably, more than likely, is the place that we refer to as hell. Uh, I know it says that death and hell were cast at some point into the lake of fire towards the end of Revelation. And we'll talk a little bit further about that as we get down there. But this, this angel, this star that's falling from heaven, uh, comes down and he opens this bottomless pit. And when he opens it, um, a plague comes out of it. And it is a plague of smoke and locusts that come out of the smoke. Now, um, some people wonder if this is a literal locust, as we will see in a moment. It's certainly not a typical locust. Uh, out, in the, out in the western plains especially, they have uh, times, and, and especially where they do a lot of farming and crops and things out there, they have times where literally clouds of locusts will come, and it will be so thick that it will darken the sky. It will almost look like uh, a, uh, um, uh, one of these eclipses. It will darken the sky. And when they come, they eat everything that is green. That's what they do. And notice this as we get to verse chapter number 9. that The Bible says uh, in verse number 4, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass on the earth. So uh, this angel that I believe perhaps was Christ uh, has the keys to the bottomless pit. It also seems to be that he has authority over the devils, uh, that he limits what they're allowed to do. 
if you remember back in the story of Job, Job, uh, God allowed Satan to touch Job, but he limited him. He said, you can do this much, but you can't do anything further than that. And can I tell you this, that Christ is the only one that has subject over the devil himself. Uh, he's the only one that has that kind of might and power. And, and it says here that they were commanded, uh, verse number one, or verse number four, it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing. So this is out of characteristic for locusts. But John is referring to them as looking like locusts, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. So again, those that are sealed are protected from this plague. Uh, we will find that there comes persecution later. And they will not always be protected from things that will happen to them, but they will be protected from the plagues, from the judgments of God. And um, so we find here in those days, uh, the Bible, uh, I'm sorry, in verse number 5, it says, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Most of the time when a scorpion strikes somebody, it's extremely painful. And I've never been struck by one, but I have seen people that have. It's extremely painful, but most likely they won't die from it. And such was this case. Uh, when these, these devilish, and I think this is a supernatural uh, being from out of the bottomless pit. I know beings uh, from out of the bottomless pit, these locusts. I don't think they're uh, locusts like what we know of them to be. And the reason for that is it talks about them coming from this place. Uh, and look in verse number 7. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. Now, it doesn't say they have crowns of gold. But uh, when we see crowns in Scripture, it speaks of victory and conquering uh, or some leader that has uh, power over something. And so more than likely it's referring to the, the uh, power that they have. And these, uh, it's interesting, I was reading... Uh, some notes, and um, the word for locust in uh, German means hay horse, a hay horse. And uh, the word for locust in Italian means little horse. And uh, it's interesting that even other languages refer to locusts often as uh, like a horse, and that Revelation talks about it. You wonder where those words get their etymology from. Uh, if maybe the revelation wasn't somewhat influential in the, the defining of those terms for those countries. But uh, it says here in verse number 7, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses, prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Now, this is interesting to me. So, it speaks here of these, these locusts being men. They have faces like men. They're horses. You're going to hear about how fierce they are, and how much they torment, and how their strength but isn't it interesting in verse 8, this is, a, this is a thought that struck me. And they had hair. <laughs> Why is their hair important? I mean, we're talking about vicious animals here. We're talking about beings. Notice what it says here. They have hair, notice this, as the hair of women. So even though these things are very powerful things, there's, a, there's an effeminate side to them. And I thought of this, you know, every word of Scripture is in there for a reason. Now, I'm going to tell you a thought that I have. I can't prove this from Scripture. But I will say that this is very interesting thought. When you look at those that dabble in the occult, uh, in the 
the uh, the rock the the real you know the real metal type rock bands. They are usually men, and they usually have long hair, don't they? You ever notice that the sign of rebellion against authority universally usually is for men to grow out their hair? You know why? Because the I think Satan puts it in their heart. Because here's what the Bible says. It's a shame for a man to have long hair. And it says that the, the, the woman's hair, her, the length of her hair, is her glory. It's the thing that, that sets her apart. It's the thing that distinguishes her. And so God created women to have longer hair and men to have shorter hair in Scripture. And you can debate, well, how short is short? How long is long? <coughs> we don't need to deal with that issue tonight specifically, but to say there is a distinction given. And that God created men to have short hair and says that for a man to have long hair, it is a shame. And he says even nature itself shows this. God created men to have short hair, women to have long hair. Even in nature he's done this. And what is Satan's goal? To do everything he can to defile what God has instituted. The home morals. Isn't it interesting that these devilish beings come out of the bottomless pit? They're men. They're masculine in their, in their appearance. And yet they have women's hair. I find that interesting. I'm not here preaching on hair tonight, but that is an interesting thought. As we get down here, verse number 9, they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, of many horses running about. So they're very loud, very noisy. And have tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in the tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue was Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. The Hebrew word Abaddon means destroyer, or destruction, I'm sorry. The Greek word Apollyon means the destroyer, both of them having a very, very similar definition there. I do not believe that this, and there are some people who do believe this, I do not believe this is Satan himself at this point. Uh, a couple of reasons. One, we don't ever see him named this any other place in Scripture. And secondly, I don't believe he was in the bottomless pit at this point. I think that Satan is roaming the earth still. Uh, now, his devils, I think, many of them, if not most of them, are confined. And I do believe that just like angels have a hierarchy of power, so do the devilish forces. That there are some that are not as strong as others, that there is a leader of, of them that can uh, lead the, the hordes, if you will, of the bottomless pit. Uh, and so you, you may differ with me on that, and that's fine. I, that's not one of those things we would... Uh, uh, you know, break fellowship over if you disagree on that. Uh, but I think there are a couple of good reasons why perhaps that's not Satan at this point. But it is at least a, a very powerful, very strong uh, devil at the least. Um, and then he goes on to say this, One woe is past, behold, there come two woes thereafter. You say, well, what is so bad about all of this? I, I, miss, I skipped over a verse, and I did it intentionally here. Because I think the worst part of this entire plague is found here as we get to verse number 6. Notice what it says here. In those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. 
the, the torment of these creatures is such that men would rather die than be tormented by them. And this is interesting to me that they seek death. You know, one of the biggest problems in our, in our world today, especially in the United States of America, one of the greatest travesties and one of the highest forms of death in America is suicide. People taking their own lives. There's going to come a point during this fifth trumpet where men are going to want to do that and they won't be able to. Could you imagine taking your car at high speed and plowing into a solid granite rock and impaling your car upon that rock and all the pain of that and you survive? These men, in verse number 5, it says that they are going to be tormented by these, these creatures so much that in verse 6, they're going to seek death. And the Bible says, and they and shall not find it. They shall desire to die, to die, and death shall flee from them. They won't be able to. For five months, they will be required to endure the torment of these locusts. And, and, and don't think that these are just one per city. When they come out of the pit, they are so great that they darken the sky. There are so, so, so many of them. Multitudes of these things. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, there they are. Men are going to be hiding, trying to, trying to escape them, and they're going to bring torment. These, these are what the woes refer to. You say, Pastor, why is that so important? Because I don't want anybody that I know to have to go through this. I don't want a family member. I don't want a neighbor. I don't want a friend. I don't want an acquaintance. I'll be real frank with you. I don't even want my enemies to go through this. This is something so catastrophic. We said at the onset, there's two reasons to study, to, to, to study prophecy. One is for our comfort, to know that we're not going to be here. But the second one is to bring conviction to us. If we could ever live day by day with these things in our minds, it would change our service for God. It would change the kind of soul winner we are, the kind of person that tells someone else about Christ. But we forget these things so easily. I'm not trying to scare us tonight, but these things are very, very real in Revelation. They are going to happen just as sure as any other prophecy that God has ever given. They are going to happen. And if that's the case, then we as God's people must be busy about our Father's work. We must be busy doing His work, telling people about Him. One woe is past. Behold, there are two, two more woes hereafter. Let's look at the sixth trumpet. And uh, I'm just going to start on this. We've, we're already at 8 o'clock, so I will be on just a very brief amount, and then we'll deal a little bit further with it next week. And the sixth trumpet sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which hath the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. I, again, believe these are devilish uh, beings that are restrained, uh, could be supernatural beings, could be leaders of the area we know as Iraq today, which would be the area of the Euphrates, the old Roman Empire, uh, the area where Babylon used to be. Uh, which will be revived during this time uh, of tribulation. And uh, we find that uh, these angels are uh, loosed. They've been bound there, so they're loose. So these, I don't believe, are, again, heavenly beings as much as they are devilish beings. These are uh, some of Satan's minions, if you will. 
And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year. I think that that gives us a very strict time scale as to when this plague is going to happen. Um, I believe they were prepared from the day the rapture happened for a day. Uh, the Bible says for a year, I'm sorry, for a month, for a day and an hour. I think you can pinpoint the exact time when this is going to take place. Uh, now, you may say, well, those represent something else. But I do believe very clearly that that's what it's referring to and saying there. For to slay, notice this, the third part of men. Now, there is no exemption here given in Scripture of those that are sealed. Satan's minions are now loosed. I think the fifth seal was God bringing some judgment and allowing the, the, the uh, folks from the bottomless pit, those things from the bottomless pit to come forth, and he, he put a limit on them and said, you don't hurt the ones that are sealed. We don't find such a, a limitation in, in the sixth seal. So more than likely, even those that are sealed will go through this. Because look what it talks about here. The num- uh, it says, uh, the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. Now, if you do your math right, that's 200 million in might. There's never been an army ever in the history of mankind of that size. Now, these could also be uh, a supernatural, uh, devilish uh, army that comes forward. Uh, it could be. Uh, China now claims that they have a two billion, I think it is, man army, something like that, or two million man, or whatever it was. Uh, could be a, a conglomeration of some very large countries coming together. I, I'm not... Certain as to what it would be, other than those are a couple of possibilities. And it says this in uh, verse number 16, that there were 200,000 of them, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the, in the vision, and then that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth, and brimstone, and the heads of the horses, whereas the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men, and this is what I want us to see. We're going to deal a little bit further with some of this substance in the sixth trumpet. But this is what I want you to see before we go tonight. The first woe is over. This is part of the second woe. We hear what is taking place. A third part of the men are being killed. And the rest, look what it says, verse 20. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues. And this is some of the saddest words I think we read in this entire book. Yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. I want to spend a lot of time on that next Wednesday night. And I would encourage you, there are some extremely practical, hard-hitting issues next Wednesday night that we're going to deal with that are happening today that are leading us to a society that will cause them to be like they are in verse 20 and 21. And I would encourage you, if there's any way possible, don't miss next Wednesday night. Uh, 
I want to get into some of these things, and there are some very we're going to, we're not going to pull any punches next week. There's going to be some things that we're going to bring out about things that are sadly things that even Christian people involve themselves with today that are included in this list, believe it or not. And we're going to look at some of that next week. So I want to encourage you, please, and, and if you can, invite somebody to come with you. Um, next week, I think, is going to be a very crucial lesson when we deal with some of that. I think some of the saddest things are these men are going through these plagues. They're from supernatural beings. They know this is something that God is doing. And they refuse. They refuse. With gritted teeth, it seems like, and high-handed, rebellious, stiff-necked attitudes, they absolutely refuse to repent and to turn to God. Isn't it interesting, though, that even in this portion of the judgment, were those men to turn to Christ, He would still have accepted them. The thing is, they won't. Not at this stage. All right, let's uh, be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and guide us as we go through this. Open our eyes. Help us to live with eternity in view. Father, we don't teach prophecy a ton in, in our church. It's not something that really ought to be majored upon. There are so many other doctrinal things that need to be dealt with. But Lord, there certainly is a need for us to live with eternity in view, with an understanding of what's to come. Lord, may it bring great comfort to our hearts. 